Good morning and welcome to Back Chat, our last show of 2023. I'm Andrew Work, and my guest presented today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Andrew. You sound like you're ready for action, ready I'm for 2024. Absolutely. Just All right. Getting my breath back. Let's do this. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about calls by some 30 lawmakers to relaunch a territory-wide courtesy campaign to help improve the quality of service here. This comes as Hong Kong is trying to attract more visitors. We'll ask if Hong Kong has a service problem or if there is something else we need to do to bring more tourists to our fine city. We'll ask if it is service workers or Hong Kongers as citizens encountering tourists on the prowl or or if there are bigger issues related to our tourism industry. After 9.40, we're going to get the results from surveys on the top news stories of the year in Hong Kong. We will count down your top 10. Floods, murders, scams, and tourism campaigns are on the list. Stay tuned to find out what was the number one story of the year. We want to know what you think of the top news stories of the year, and you can tell us now by posting a message on our Facebook page, emailing us at backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us on 233-88266. One more time, 233-88266. And uh, joining us today on the show to talk about a courtesy campaign is uh, Howie Wong the Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Uh, good morning, Howie. Hi, good morning, Andrew. Welcome to the show. We're also going to be joined today by Alok Jane, the Managing Director of Trans Consult, our, one of our go-tos on the transport industry in Hong Kong. Good morning, Alok. Good morning, Andrew. Good to have you on. Okay, uh, Howie, let's, let's get started here. Why are the lawmakers targeting the service industry uh, professionals in Hong Kong, saying we need another courtesy campaign. Frankly, I did a lot of traveling late last year. I thought Hong Kong measured up pretty good compared to service that I saw in Singapore, in the Netherlands, uh, you know, the old country, which is what I call Canada, the United mm. States. I mean, I thought Hong Kong had a pretty good game. Why are lawmakers, uh, you know, suggesting this now? Well, I think, um, you know, historically, Hong Kong has had a very good reputation in terms of the service industry, um, you know, taking a lot of, you know, international visitors. But, you know, over the last few years of COVID, um, and, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of people, you know, leave Hong Kong over the last few years, there has been a large uh, uh, shortage of labor in, in the whole industry. And with the shortage of labor, uh, what we see is uh, people are maybe more overworked, you know, and it, it's hard for them to maybe always keep that smiling face, uh, you know, all the time. So right. Grin that, and bear it. <laughs> it's that uh, they're overloaded and they're feeling the stress themselves. Exactly. All right. And what is there a general uh, morale issue here? And I'm thinking the three years of COVID uh, sort of came after the six months of, of uh, troubles. Um, is there a general people a bit down in the dumps? Um, I mean, not only are the, you know, are, are the staff are a bit down, but, you know, also the employers, because uh, right. right now, even though, you know, business is, uh, you know, better than, you know, during COVID times, but we still see, uh, you know, there are a lot of problems within the industry, um, especially because of, uh, you know, shortage of labor. Restaurants are not able to open, you know, as long as they want to. Uh, and, you know, actually, you know, over the Christmas holiday, you see over 1.5 million people uh, heading up north for vacation instead of, you know, staying in Hong Kong. So <clears throat> in terms of, uh, you know, running a business, it's also very difficult. And for so for a lot of the uh, employers, it, it's hard to keep, you know, a, um, a optimistic, you know, right. uh, look into the future you as well. You want people so. upbeat. Uh, we're just going to have to grit our teeth and get on with it. Um, well, not not only that, but we also need you know the 
support of um, the government as well. Um, you know, uh, recently with um, uh, a lot of the uh, campaigns that are going on, um, I, I think I mentioned maybe around uh, half a year ago that we should be bringing, uh, you know, Messi to Hong Kong. And, you know, suddenly, it, you know, it has happened. And because, you know, more international events come to Hong Kong, uh, it will also bring a lot of residual um, uh, spending as well in terms of hospitality, retail, uh, F&B and so forth. And, you know, these people who come to Hong Kong and have a good experience will tell, you know, will go back home and tell everyone, oh, Hong Kong is, you know, uh, back to where it's been uh, pre-COVID. It was an amazing time. Everyone should visit. But during the Christmas holiday, we don't see a lot of international visitors um, coming to Hong Kong as their primary destination. Yeah, we used to be known as a bit of a Christmas uh, destination in Hong Kong. I think, I, I think maybe other parts of Asia have maybe caught up to us and that they've become more Christmassy at this time of yeah. year. But, I mean, the problems that Hong Kong has in terms of places being understaffed, stress, uh, you know, staff being overworked, it's not unique to Hong Kong, is it? Like I, you know, like I said, I traveled and I would speak to managers and people owning places, and they said, all of our staff are new, none of them know what they're doing, and we should probably have 30% more than we have, whether it was Europe, you know, United States, Canada, Singapore. I'd be hearing the similar message in all these places. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, um, there's nothing inherently wrong with Hong Kong people. Like, when I first came to Hong Kong in 1996, which was, you know, right around when Mike was born, uh, I mean, <laughs> Hong Kong was famous for rude service. People loved it. They would, they used to go, they, it was part of the package. You would go to the, the American Peking restaurant in Wan Chai and they would just slam the plates down in front of you and be like, why you take so long? Well, order now already. You have people waiting. And they, you know, they would just, and we were like, yeah, awesome. Um, and then, yeah. and then McDonald's and Starbucks ruined it by training everybody to smile and be nice. I think the real courtesy issue uh, uh, problem is started by Hong Kong Disneyland because the people are so nice <clears throat> and so friendly. Says Mike sitting here with his Mickey Mouse uh, hoodie on. The, the, the contrast with the rest of the service sector may be just too much to bear. Uh, Alok, what are things like in the transport share? Well, obviously, in the transport sector, courtesy is one of the key delivery messages that we have. Uh, obviously, Hong Kong has uh, ranked very high on service efficiency and performance. Uh, however, courtesy side, we, you know, as Andrew said, we were famous for being rude. And I think that needs to change. A lot of people now are not expecting that. To me, uh, courtesy is the first, a commonest form of civility. And that civility should start, the, it's the first contact. When people come in, they get into a taxi and a taxi driver makes the first impression. And, and if those taxi drivers are trained to be courteous, and it's, people, courtesy is two aspects. One is obviously there is something inherent. And the second is obviously you can train people to be courteous. And I think that training part is missing in Hong Kong service delivery uh, framework at the moment, that we don't train people to be courteous. But that courtesy, it happens in Singapore, it happens, you go to a, a taxi in Singapore, the drivers are chatty, they're talking very nice, they know, oh, they uh, you know how to deal with you. Yes, but Hong Kong, you know, our drivers are obviously completely, you know, aloof and, and they don't care and, about anything. And in Singapore, they let you pay with <laughs> cards. Uh, simply. Anything. Yeah. Uh, yes, indeed, anything, yeah. Is this, is this a failure of Hong Kong mothers that they haven't trained their children to grow up and be polite? I mean, because like in these other places, they don't need a courtesy campaign because, you know, their mothers would slap them hard if they weren't polite when speaking to adults. I mean, is there, is there something about our, our, our local culture that we need, we need to train it, people? Yes. 
it is about the common culture i mean you get into a lift and nobody says good morning or good evening or whatever greetings you know you need to have well, that's People because you stop you court. stop the lift doors closing that's why they're not <laughs> smiling at you they're, there they were thumb on the door close button going bananas. but no i i think children are polite to their parents still uh, as far as I can yeah, see. They're polite to their parents. They're polite to the elders. They, I mean, those are part of the culture here. But obviously, the, this courtesy towards strangers is something that is missing in Hong Kong. There, there was supposed to be a special campaign among the taxi drivers, wasn't there? In Some the months summertime. ago. Yeah, in the summertime. Uh, did that go anywhere? Did it happen? Well, I think that the, the proof of the pudding is in eating. Uh, and uh, the question here is, uh, does anybody feel anything different with the taxi drivers at the moment? I don't. So and and I think that so that really hasn't gone really anywhere. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm not a good judge there because I always try a yeah. few words of Cantonese at the beginning, and that seems to put them in a good mood. I do this, I do the same thing, so they won't mess mess with me. Right. You know, let let them know you live here, and they're not going to take the long way around. But you're being defensive. I'm, I'm just you know putting it out there. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, are, are taxis a little bit of a black spot on Hong Kong? Because and, and I mean, I get great taxi drivers, I get lovely taxi drivers in Hong Kong, but it is not consistent. You know, bus drivers, I find consistently polite and helpful. Yeah. They'll kind of hold the bus for yeah. a little bit. If you're, you know, you see somebody running up, they'll, they'll kind of wait a couple of seconds. Um, even mini bus drivers, quite okay. Um, I think more the other side of the passengers sometimes can be yeah. problematic. But, but taxi drivers can be uh, uh, well, hit and miss. It's negative, and they put signs up saying, cash only, no yeah. cards. Mm. Yes. Uh, they sort of, don't you dare offer me a Visa card. Uh, for which, which is, I guess, makes sense because, uh, you know, people get to the end of a ride and they think it's like everywhere else in the world where you can use a credit card. So how come there are no regulations in Hong Kong requiring what? provision of I this? I think it's yeah. coming. Yeah, now Christmas look. is coming. Well, it's it's coming for the last 20 years, okay? So, yeah. you know, we have been talking about octopus on taxis for forever. I mean, it has not happened. I, so I, I think paid, from I paid octopus in a taxi, but like twice. Some, sometimes, yeah. yeah. So some like of twice. them have 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 kind of moved on, and they accept octopus. They accept right. other there's, forms of payment. There's about twenty Many of them. them You've just described yeah. a, so, a tiny minority. Hmm. Why isn't it in the regulations? You want your license renewed this year, right? We want to see an octopus reader and a Visa card reader. Yes, and and I I have my theory around that. It's also because they probably don't want their transactions to be tracked. Once you are in Octopus, then the transaction is transparent, the value is tr transparent. Right now, everything is just reported by the taxi drivers. And, and that's where I think there is a bit of a gray area, which probably they don't want that transparency. That That's my theory. I, I may be wrong on this one. So, but, you know, yeah. So the taxi drivers are, are, are said they were going to have a campaign, may or may not have happened. Howie Wong, have we had these kind of campaigns for your industry, the restaurants and related trades? What, what are related trades? Maybe let's just clear that up. Um, so related trades are, <clears throat> are industries that are also supporting the F&B industry. So it could be suppliers or other service industries that help to support, um, you know, restaurant businesses, right? Okay. Um, so it, it, you know, it's the whole supply chain. Um, you know, if the, if the restaurants are not doing well, then the whole supply chain is also affected. Um, in terms of our restaurants, um, I think, you know, ever since, uh, you know, during COVID and, you know, after COVID, um, we've seen restaurants 
tried to do you know a lot of different uh, campaigns. Uh, for example, uh, special discounts to um, you know visitors from overseas or mainland uh, to try to stimulate you know uh, new uh, business coming into their restaurants, um, and also do a lot of you know campaigns together with. Um, uh, shopping centers and so forth as well. Um, you know, for for restaurant business, we welcome you know all types of uh, customers, and so you know um, everyone is trying you know very hard to uh, really build their own business. Uh, and you know, in terms of courtesy, um, you know, I, I think it, it's it's every boss's you know wish to have you know courteous uh, staff you know uh, <clears throat> uh, dealing with their customers, but sometimes it could be you know. Uh, a lot of the pressures building up over the last few years that have caused, you know, some mm. uh, bad experiences for some of the visitors. Do you suppose that uh, this uh, build-up is part of the problem is that so many new staff being taken on board to fill these staff shortages, the people who haven't done the job mm. before? Um, of- that's, yeah, I, I agree, Mike. Uh, that's partially uh, part of the problem because, uh, you know, if you have a one very experienced staff, maybe they can do the job of, you know, three um, uh, new staff, you know. So for the new staff, they may feel that they're really overworked, but, you know, actually they should be able to do what they're assigned to do. Uh, but this is, you know, a training process, um, you know, to retrain the staff uh, within restaurants how to be able to be more productive. If, if some of the onus is on the onus, I have an email here from Marcus, and Marcus says, it's not the service sector workers that have killed Hong Kong's appeal, it's the dunderhead business owners. Marcus, uh, <laughs> happy, for, a, happy for, a, for you to elaborate on that, if you can get it in before the end of the show. Um, but, I mean, uh, are, are owners of businesses able to invest in training their staff, like you're suggesting, or are they just so strapped right now that they, they don't have the capacity, especially for really small businesses? Um, no, we, 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 a lot of the owners, they do invest into training a lot of the staff, but because of the shortage of the uh, labor industry, um, uh, of labor, the staff, you know, they, they change jobs, uh, because maybe the, the restaurant beside them is offering an extra 500 or 1,000 more per month, right? So, um, you, you become the training center for other restaurants, <laughs> in a way. So you, you pay to train them and then they leave, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's, that's so, not ideal. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, the business owners, they're really willing to invest into building, you know, a better business, building a better customer experience. But um, it takes, you know, the whole whole industry to really get together, also with the government, how to build a better workforce in order to serve, you know, the market that we want to approach. How, how can business owners, I mean, one, one of the things I've noticed makes a big difference uh, is, and as we're going back to more restaurants and hotels in particular, is keeping staff. So I've, I've got a friend of mine who's been on the show a couple of times from the, the Shore Group, you know, the Salted Pig, the Blind Pig, the Peace mm-hmm. Pig. And, you know, I know that when I go back to his restaurants, you know, especially after COVID, the same people was there. You know, he somehow moved heaven and earth to keep them on. Uh, going back to the Shangri-La Hotel for a couple of events. And I'm like, oh, I see the same wait staff, the same room captains. I'm like, oh, you guys survived COVID. You know, because I, I get to know these guys through my, my MC sideline. And, uh, you know, really great institutions like that. They, they have kept their best people through COVID and everything. But how do you, I mean, how do you keep them so you can keep the level of service high? I think you've put your finger on a big part of it because for the first few weeks or months in a job, a new staff is going to be focusing on doing the basics of the job. 
and, yeah. and courtesy is yeah. going to as well and smiling while doing it. That's going to be an extra layer that comes later. So staff turnoff is, turnover is a big issue. Yeah. So how, how, how do the yes. best keep the best? Yeah. Um, in terms of staff retention, I mean, a lot of the uh, better corporations are doing a lot of uh, well, number one is, is definitely training, but number two is they, they, they're really able to have a transparency to the staff to show them that through their training, they're able to move up within the company. Um, it's not just only um, uh, the salary, but also it, it's the whole uh, morale of the company as well. Um, you see, you know, companies such as um, restaurant groups such as Lubuds who have uh, really grown over, you know, this, uh, the last three years in terms of, you know, their Japanese restaurants and so forth. Um, and you can see the whole, <clears throat> it's, it's the whole um, culture of the company. It's more than just money. Um, and people, you know, it, they want to go into a happy working um, atmosphere as well. And this is part of the, you know, the part of the whole uh, restaurant package. Instead of, you know, just working uh, 10 hours per day, you want to be able to enjoy the work over that right. 10 hours per day. Alok, yeah. I want to come, come to you on this thing with the taxi drivers. I don't want to pick on them particularly. To what extent is, is the protection of the industry part of the problem? Because I've never heard anyone complain about an Uber ride. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go on. That's because, so it's very simple. I mean, there are, uh, in, for example, in Uber system, there are penalties or, or incentives associated with being courteous. And these are very similar things we have in the organized transport sector. For example, the bus companies, the driver, part of driver's remuneration is actually linked to number of customer complaints or customer, um, you know, feedback that that is uh, built around them. So it is uh, that that allows them or that makes them that incentivizes them to be courteous while on service. But we don't have a similar mechanism on a taxi system. Taxis they're very transactional. So you take a ride from A to B, you pay money, and that's it. There is nothing else associated with anything around it. And hence you get always the, these people. Who, who who are you know they don't they don't get anything extra for being courteous. Let me put it this way. <laughs> yeah, and, and hence. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, incentives and economics are everything. And I mean, I, I do remember a time before COVID when you would have a lot of taxi drivers give you great service and they would turn around and give you a card with their number and said, you know, if you're doing yep. a long haul trip at 20% off, you know, call me, I'll be there. And, you know, they had an incentive to establish a relationship. Uh, but the government cracked down on all that, didn't they? Didn't they? They kind of took away that incentive. Yes, that was considered illegal. So, I mean, Hong Kong, we, we, we consider ourselves, ourselves to be the doyen of capitalist, you know, system. And, and at the same time, we have all these very socialist kind of approaches where we draw lines. Um, so I completely agree that, that you should probably draw a line on the maximum fare. That's where the regulation goes in. And then, but there should not be anything on the minimum because that's a business uh, decision. Um, if you have somebody yeah. is offering a discount, somebody is offering an incentive or a promotion, I think that's perfectly okay. That should be allowed for the business as long as they are not right. overcharging the customer. But I think but it's more basic. It's more basic. There's, there's just no competition. Exactly. So this is something, but our transport system is such that regulatory environment at the moment completely you know, constrains any promotion. So, for example, even as a bus operator, if they want to give a 10% discount on a certain trip, they can't because the transport department requires uh, them to submit an application that will then approved and only after that can happen. So all kind of promotions are stifled uh, in a way because there is, again, the companies, they 
don't have an incentive to go through that big regulatory bureaucratic process before they can do simple things like on something on Christmas or something on your birthday. So, for example, if you're traveling on train system, I would love to do that. You know, if it's your birthday and I, if I could recognize it, I would probably offer you something special on your birthday. But I can't do that at the moment. So these are the kind of, I think, room that the businesses do not have at the moment uh, to offer. And that's also one aspect of your curtsy campaigns that we need to put in there. What about these new luxury taxis then? Uh, The idea that was shot down by the previous LegCo, uh, quite rightly in my view, um, but now it's been resurrected, hasn't it? It's been endorsed. There's going to be some kind of premium taxi service again. They're trying to copy the Uber X or XL or whatever their premium version is. Yes. So premium taxi at the moment... yeah, what they're talking about is more focused towards the quality of cars and quality of, you know, you know quality of vehicle rather than quality of people. I have not seen a single line uh, with, with, which talks about the quality of people. Yes. So, yes. You're riding in my Merc now. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's not, well, I don't think that's the way well, forward. So, so uh, you is, know, we're, we're coming to the close. Of the, yeah. We're getting towards the end of the hour. Howie Wong. Um, the, the 30 legislators have popped up and said, oh, we should have a, uh, you know, have this courtesy campaign and put it put it on the service industry. Um, do you feel like that's a serious proposition or are they just making it? Are they just trying to come up with some random news of the day that's not going to be too offensive to anybody like, oh, we train people to smile more? I mean, duh, <laughs> it's not exactly a groundbreaking <laughs> policy proposal. Yeah. Like, do you, do you guys feel like you're being unfairly picked on? Or oh it, no, definitely. I mean, we it should not only be the uh, you know F and B sector. Um, you know, actually, just very quick. Uh, before I remember, McDonald's had a campaign which was uh, you know on the menu, smiles were free. And oh so yeah. So I actually ordered yeah, and you actually ordered a smile, and after a certain you know after a certain period. The, 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 you know, the girl behind the register would give you a smile, but then it was like, it turned into a frown kind of. <laughs> or they give you the so, dead eye smile where their, their mouth moves, but the eyes exactly, don't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so what I, what I want to get to, point I want to get to is, you know, it actually takes everyone in Hong Kong, uh, not only, um, common courtesy towards, you know, our, our visitors to Hong Kong, but, you know, on everyday basis, everyone yeah. you meet. To each uh, other. You should, Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Just uh, use your, you know, most sincere, genuine, uh, common courtesy. These are the things that, you know, um, that my mom taught me as well and my father, um, you know, and, and, you know, slowly things will change. But, it, you know, it's very hard to, you know, turn off the switch um, and, you know, say, OK, tomorrow we're going to be it's going to be a sunny day. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, do, I, I do my part. I, I live up on Conduit Road, like right by the terminus of the escalator. And, you know, right. every day somebody's standing there with their looking at their phone and a map trying to sit around like, are we at the peak yet? You know, have it every day. I'm like, no, you yeah. are no, you are not going to get to the peak at the top of the escalator. Sorry. You either got a long haul up Old Peak Road or the morning trail or just walk down the hill to the tram. And it wouldn't yeah, do any then, harm for ordinary people if they see tourists struggling to exactly. offer help. Yeah. Uh, yeah you guys I, lost. I, Where are you trying to get to? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're usually surprised when it's somebody that looks like me, you know, Japanese <laughs> or Korean tourists. And, you know, are we allowed to yeah. say the G word? Well, no, I, whatever, whatever you call people like Mike and I, uh, you know, stop and Useless. say like, I'm a, old. I'm, I'm a local, I'm a local, I'm here to, I'm here, local, I'm here to help. Um, so yeah, we all got to, we all got to do our part. We can all chip in. Maybe the, exactly. all these new district councillors can help too. 
Oh man, I, yeah. I, yeah, they should be on the streets, you know, doing doing this courtesy work themselves. Smiling, <laughs> absolutely, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. E- easy yeah. for them to say we should do a campaign. Maybe they should. Maybe they should be taking charge of the training themselves, putting some uh, putting some time in, some work. Exactly. Hey, um, one last email uh, that I'll, I'll get off here from TC says the need for another campaign shows the one 20 plus years ago with Andy Lau being its spokesman was a failure. In the past, one could tolerate bad service because of the quality of food was high or for establishments like Australian Milk Company, its selling point of speed. But with neither quality nor efficiency, bad service is completely unjustified. That's from TC. Uh, we're going to get back into this topic a little bit more after the break, talking about how we actually train people with somebody from the VTC. But for now, we will say thank you very much to Howie Wong, Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, and also Alok Jane, Managing Director of Trans Consult. Thanks for coming on the show, gentlemen. Quick look at the weather. Uh, we're going to have sunny periods today. The maximum temperature will be around 23 degrees. Not very wintry. Actually, it looks like a beautiful, beautiful day. Mainly fine over the weekend. Warm uh, on the day of New Year's Eve. Windy on New Year's Day. So all in all, sounds like a pretty good weekend lining up to bring us into 2024. Uh, right now at Back Chat, the temperature is 19 degrees Celsius and 81% humidity. I'm Andrew Work with Mike Rouse. We'll be back after the news. And now the news with Martin Holmes. A property analyst says changes to land premiums and land swap arrangements uh, aimed at speeding up the creation of the northern metropolis may not be attracted to developers right now, but will work in the long term. Hannah Jong, head of valuation and advisory services at Colliers Hong Kong, says given that the outlook for the property market is depressed right now, developers may prefer to look for comparatively cheaper land in urban areas in the short term. The United Nations peacekeeping mission in Lebanon has warned of border clashes between Israel and Hezbollah militants could escalate into a full-scale war. Israel and Hezbollah, which is backed by Iran, have been firing at each other on a daily basis since the Gaza war began in October. And the Venezuelan president, Nicolas Maduro, has ordered the armed forces to hold military exercises in response to a British decision to send a warship to support neighbouring Guyana. Earlier this month, Venezuela resurrected an old claim to the oil-rich Esquibo region, which for decades has been part of Guyana and its colonial predecessor, British Guiana. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. regulatory regime for the travel industry has been in full force from September the 1st, 2022. Travel agent, tourist guide and tour escort are regulated by the Travel Industry Ordinance. If a licensee commits any irregularities, the Travel Industry Authority will act according to the law. A travel agent must hold a valid license to do business. Always patronize a licensed agent to safeguard your interests. Please visit tia.org.hk for more. No matter how cool you are, no matter how popular the photos you shared on social media, once you take drugs, they will damage your physical and mental health or even ruin your life. Call 1-866-186 or send a message via WhatsApp or WeChat to 9816186 to speak with us. We are here to help. Let's stand firm. Knock drugs out. Uh. 
And we're back on Back Chat with Andrew Work and Mike Rouse. And uh, maybe you thought I needed that second API the way that I uh, made that transition there. <laughs> it's the end of the but year. At least you're smiling, which is courteous. At, at least I'm smiling. Yes, it's a courteous radio show today. We're talking about courtesy. Uh, 30 legislators in LegCo have said that we need a new courtesy campaign for Hong Kong, uh, specifically for the service industry. And we're going to talk about that now with Dennis Wong, who is a project manager at the VTC, the Vocational Training Council. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Andrew. Now, I can't imagine anybody in Hong Kong doesn't know the VTC, but just in case, uh, you, you guys kind of uh, train people to do actual things, you know, as opposed to academic subjects. You train people who actually get things done. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes, yes. Uh, we train a lot, um, in particular in the hospitality industry that we are talking about. I'm from that background. Yep. Great vocational training center out at the end of Pak Fulam. I've been to the restaurants there where you train the students. Um, do you train courtesy? Yes, certainly. Um, because uh, we believe that uh, courtesy is kind of culture. Uh, it's kind of uh, internalizing kindness within uh, within our human being. So, uh, so it takes time. So uh, it, it takes time. You cannot change uh, right after a minute or a few days. It, it needs a, a period of training. So that's why we are we are providing a course for programs other than academic. Standing, we train them with skills and attitude. Okay, right. and how how do you train? Like, do you say, okay, I'm going to train you guys how to smile? You know, when you're when you're providing service. I mean, what is what does courtesy training actually look like? Yeah, we tell them uh, first of all, we we, we suddenly we we, would, we tell them some kind of uh, um, uh, theory. But uh, the more important thing is to practice. We we do offer a lot of practice for them uh, on a simulated environment such as our simulated restaurants and simulated uh, hotel counter and housekeeping. And also we, we do offer um, uh, internship, industry internship. They work, the students uh, before they graduate, they have to work for a certain period at the industry so that they will uh, immerse, immerse themselves in the industry environment and train now. Right, Dennis, there's a lot of <clears throat> emphasis lately on a reindustrialization and even giving a boost to agriculture. But the, but the fact is that our economy is something in the region of 90% plus the service sector. So friendliness and, and courtesy are absolutely critical. Yes, yes. So uh, it's, it's actually we are facing a um, difficulty uh, in in different industries in, in Hong Kong, in particular for those uh, service industry, they are sort of manpower. So it becomes the second priority of uh, how to do it better. It's, it's a matter of how to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's, yeah. So, so Dennis, I'm, I'm asking how do you do that? So for example, if you're training chefs and a chef's like, I work in the back kitchen, you know, I yell at people to get things done. If they can't handle the heat, they should get out of the kitchen. And you're like, no, 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 no. You, sometimes if you want to be a great chef, you're going to have to go out front, deal with the customers, tell them about the food, you know, make them feel that little extra special that you feel when the chef comes out. Ooh, la, la, you know, do you train people on that? Do you train a chef, you know, for example, yeah, so to come out and how to speak to people, how to be polite, how to engage them? I mean, is that is that training or do you just kind of hope they'll pick it up on the side? Yes, in our campuses, uh, we have uh, a few campuses that offer um, culinary um, uh, training, including the chef training. And we do have some master chef training that uh, those uh, chefs 
already um, uh, working in the hotels or the the, 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 the high-ranking restaurants. They also come back to our school to to train themselves up. Um, but to, what, to what do train, change. train in what though? Like, is it is it a public speaking course? Is it uh, manners? Is it dealing with foreigners? Or like, I mean, what do you actually train them on that is connected to courteous service? It's actually a, a holistic training. So uh, from the, the kitchen uh, to the overall restaurant service. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we don't have particular speech training, I, I believe, but uh, we, we do train uh, from a holistical perspective that they when they do the service, they have to do this, 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 and that. Mm-hmm. So when they finish a full course of service, then they're done. Okay. Uh, they, do you give them awkward customers as part of the training? The the the, the angry guilo or... The, yeah, do you do situational <laughs> the training? The awkward person at the, at the hotel counter is... is why is it taking so long? I, I booked this a week ago. Yeah. Yeah, they do have uh, some um, simulated uh, scenario uh, when they train, when they experience the training and the practices. Uh, we do have these, in particular in the assessment. Uh, the assessment will give them some scenario. They, they, they have to solve the problem by themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, do you talk to people who have, uh, who perform similar training roles around the region? And do you guys compare notes? Where, where do you think Hong Kong stacks up? I mean, if, are, do you guys still sit around when you go to an international conference and go, wow, those guys in Singapore, they've really nailed it. We, wanna, we really wish we could get our industry up to that level. I mean, what, what is, or, or, oh, we always wish we could have Japanese level, you know, kind of courtesy. Everybody yelling at you, you know, whatever they yell when they go, hello. You know, when you go to a Japanese restaurant, is, is there kind of a gold standard in Asia that everybody aspires to? Well, I, I think it, we, it depends on our the perspective. Uh, Hong Kong is, uh, has never been um, the best place for smile and um, being a very nice attitude as the Japanese do. Mm-hmm. But what we outperform others our, is our flexibility, efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of things. Uh, when we consider uh, how we define uh, hospitality or services, it depends on our perspective. There have been many tourists, they, they travel to Japan, they, they complain about the, the, the efficiency. Yeah. They, they're being too good in attitude, too good in smile, and uh, feeling not very uh, efficient. Yeah. So it depends. I have to, because I'm in the events business as, as part of what I do. I always have been over the years. And I mean, I have to admit, like, Hong Kong and Singapore are definitely head and shoulders above the rest when you're trying to get something done at an event. I mean, you say to this, whether it's hotel staff, exhibition center staff, or whatever, you're like, here's what I want to do. And they kind of think for like half a second, and they're like, can do. And they make it happen. And you just don't get that in other places. Um, maybe, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll close out with a great story. Um, I was talking to a woman who worked for the, the Shangri-La group, and she got posted to their hotel in Los Angeles as a kind of a rotational thing. And a client, and she's from Hong Kong, shows up and one of the clients who's running an event says, can you move these boxes from the event to the front by the parking lot so we can you know, put them on our trucks and take them away? She's like, no problem, I'll make sure it happens. Turns around to the hotel staff and says, hey guys, let's move these boxes over there. And they're like, no, not gonna <laughs> do it. And she's from Hong Kong, she's completely perplexed. She's like, why not? What? And they said, different union, 
we're only allowed to move boxes to here. When it crosses the lobby, the bellhop union is in charge of that, so we can only bring them this far. We can't take it all the way. Because otherwise, <laughs> and she was astounded coming from Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, we just get it done. Yeah? Yes, uh, that's the beauty of Hong Kong people. Yeah, that's how we that's how we like like him to do. Hey, Dennis, uh, great speaking to you this morning uh, to close out our 2023 program on Backchat. This has been Dennis Wong, the project manager at the Vocational Training Council. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. And we're back on Backchat with me, me Andrew Work and uh, Mike Rouse are on the show. And we're going to be joined now by Charles Jung, who is the managing director of the global media consultancy Karma, to talk about the top 10 biggest news stories in Hong Kong this year. Good morning, Charles. Welcome to the studio. Good morning, Andrew and Mike. Just a quick correction here. Mike sure. is actually general manager. General manager. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm but fixing, good to be here again. Fixing my notes as we go. Okay. So, um, so these are the top 10 news stories by something that you have defined as share of voice. Before we get into the top 10 stories, can you just explain what the methodology is? How did you come up with this top 10? Sure, sure. So um, we use Karma's proprietary media monitoring tool. It's called Insights. Insights basically scans and tracks all news in different markets. And for this particular study, we are looking at three key markets in Asia, which includes Malaysia, Singapore, and of course, Hong Kong. And then uh, we narrow our search to just online news across the tier one media. So we're excluding all those uh, not so credible media outlets like content farms, for example. Mm -hmm. And um, we basically put together different keywords. So for instance, one of the main news stories in Hong Kong was the murders in Diamond Hill. Oh, don't don't the, give anything away. We're going to run through the top 10 like a countdown. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't give away too many secrets. Okay. Yes, okay, that one you've already got. Yep, yep. So for example, right, um, we use Diamond Hill, murders, Hollywood Plaza as keywords, and we track how many times they were mentioned in the media. Um, so it's basically a mix of technology, uh, AI, with human validation. How does it go? I, I can think of another high-profile murder. Um, wasn't there some famous w wealthy lady? Yeah, we're not. Don't don't front run our top ten. No, but okay. I mean, if you yeah. put just you put murder in there, yeah, you're going to get quite a few. Yep, yep, yep. So what we actually did was uh, we don't just use murder. We also combine murder with the location of the event, for example, mm. or the date of the event. Uh, to eliminate some of the irrelevant articles or mentions. Sure. Or names associated with it. Okay. Or so cutting up the bodies or something. Yeah. Like that. so yeah. That's yeah. good. Ooh, that'll get there. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll have stories about that for sure. But let's let's get into our top 10 because I think this is what people want to hear um, as, as designated by the fine people at Karma, C-A-R-M-A, not like karma retribution for your past deeds. This is C-A-R-M-A. Um, so, okay, let's start with number 10. Number 10 on the list is Charles Jung. Number 10 in Hong Kong is the Hello Hong Kong campaign. All right. And what were people saying about that? Why was this? How does this make the top 10? Right, right. So um, a lot of the attention actually goes to the free ad tickets, which actually makes sense. And uh, interestingly, a lot of the airlines were also mentioned in those articles. So when people talk about Hello Hong Kong, the main focus seems to be on how they're, or the ways they gave away the free tickets mm. and the ways for them to get those free tickets. The way the individual benefits. Exactly, exactly. Oh, so, so it was the Hello Hong Kong campaign and the free ticket giveaway was like a big driver of that? It that was, it was. Ah. And interestingly, I saw a lot of um, articles uh, that taught people how to um, 
um, you know, get air tickets in an easier way. For example, keep pressing F5 to refresh the page. Mm. Uh, how you can go back to the last page and look at the cache. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Okay, and there's, and I mean, when you measure this, do you, there's uh, people who aren't in the business might not know. There's two different types of media. There's earned media and paid media. Yep. So paid is like when you pay for an advertorial, or you know, basically you've paid to be there. But earned media is when you know the media decides that it is a worthy news story, so they write about right. it. The reporters love it. Yeah, on their own initiative. And the editors, yeah. sure. So, so is this is your survey earned media only, or would paid media also get included? Uh, it's earned media only. Earned media only. Okay, so this is people genuinely talking about it, not just because the government was paying for ads or whatever for the campaign. Yep. yep. All right. So number ten on the list. Hello, Hong Kong. Number nine. Number nine is something we'll all remember. It's a super typhoon and a record-breaking rainstorm that happened uh, in September. Mm. Yeah, and of course the big feature of that was the the boy who went missing for a week. Yep, uh, in the really bad w weather and was found alive, alive. And well at the end of it. Yeah, would would that be considered part of that story? Would that have helped to have boosted the ratings? It was part of it, but the main driver was actually the. Um, the disaster in Wang Tai Sin, if you remember, one of the malls were actually drowned. Right, and the MGR station and underwater. The MGR stations as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was overseas when that happened, but I mean, I definitely heard about it. It was all over international news, big one for Hong Kong. Number eight. Yep. Number eight, we have the 2022 Asian Games in Hangzhou. Um, this did not happen in 2022. It did not happen in 2022. <laughs> it happened in 2023. And one of the main drivers um, was actually the results from the uh, athletes in Hong Kong. They did a really good job. And we also saw a lot of mentions on the individual athletes. And that's, that's his good things. It means Hong Kong people are proud of other Hong Kong people. That's correct. That's correct. Um, because sport hasn't been um, a very big thing in Hong Kong. Um, they didn't really get a lot of funding back then until recent years, until Olympics, actually. Mm. And it did really well in Asian Games. So um, it was very positive, the sentiments um, about, about the Asian Games. Okay, and I know we've got another sports story on the list, a little tease for people there. But let's go to number seven on the list was? Number seven is Night Vibes Hong Kong. So uh, it's basically a series of events that the government is organizing in Wan Chai. Uh, well, not just in Wan Chai, but around the city, uh, near the promenade. A lot of people, well, the sentiment wasn't that positive for mentions about Night Vibe Hong Kong. A lot of people complain about the effectiveness and whether or not it will attract uh, overseas yeah, people, tourists. People didn't actually object to it, but they were just wondering whether it was value for money and whether it would really boost the economy. Yep, yep. And some people complain about the government um, you know, using a lot of taxpayers' money. Oh, mm. People complaining about the government. Whoever said, whoever yeah. thought. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because over the summer, I went to the the OG of, of night markets, uh, the kind of <clears throat> tourism established night markets, which is the one in Richmond in Vancouver, British Columbia, right? And I'm sure this was, you know, I'm sh sure this is where they got the idea from. But, you know, they, it's successful in Vancouver because they don't have anything like it, whereas Hong Kong already has, you know, yep. Temple Street and other night markets. So, I mean, it was it was a little... Perplexing, I think, for some people. Is that fair? Might, might have the, that been part of the conversation? Yep, yep. That was actually part of it as well. Uh, people were wondering where or how did the government uh, come up with the idea? Did they learn from someone else? Mm -hmm. Or did they get a team of researchers to look at this? So there was some, some did, part of did it. Did we hire some consultants? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Yeah. Uh, story number six. Number six is the border reopening and the easing of travel restrictions, which happened earlier this year. In uh, February, I believe. Oh. First of March, no masks. 
Yeah. No masks. Yep. That, that to me was the biggest story of the year. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. hate the mask. Yeah. I uh, you have to twist my arm. You have to threaten to lock me up for a long time yeah. before I'll put on a mask. <laughs> I, I had to do something, do a review of the year. Went back to my Google Photos all the way back. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe we were still wearing masks at the beginning of the year. So, yes, I agree. Fantastic. Well, masks is actually one of the, uh, the driver of these mentions. Uh, but throughout a year, people are talking about border reopening. Uh, until now, a lot of people are sharing tips about going to Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. That is another driver. Uh, it's becoming quite a trend now in Hong Kong. Well, and right. also because we hadn't traveled for so long. Uh, sure. I looked at my passport. I hadn't been to see my grandchildren in Bangkok for three and a half years. Wow. Oof, oof. And then, you know, the, I, then I could go in June and uh, get to get their birthdays of the two, two girls. Uh, Wild. It was terrific. We got but, t- yeah. 10 minutes. And we're, as we move into our top five, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take Casey Kasem's job doing the countdown. Uh, <laughs> Story number five of the year was? Number five is JPEG Scandal. A late entry on the list, but strongly performing, yes. Yep, I'm sure we're not surprised about JPEGs. Uh, it was actually the largest ever fraud case in Hong Kong. Was it really? It was the largest ever in Hong Kong history. It was. Uh, uh, it was 1.2 billion Hong Kong dollars. And it had all the sex features. It was crypto. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have a fraud story in a bikini? Crypto will do it. Um, yep. Yeah. And um, also one of the main drivers were actually the celebrities who endorsed the brand. Uh, yes. uh, people were complaining about them not doing enough due diligence. They didn't do any. I don't think they did any, to be honest. They, they were given a, a check, a large check, and their due diligence consisted of paying it into the bank. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the due diligence. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, whether it was Sam Bankman-Fried, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Madoff, there's always celebrities involved that make it a little more... Interested yeah. with these types of scandals. Huh? Story number four on our list. Number four is also not so surprising is the Israel-Hamas conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a late comma, uh, it only started not well, not from the first half of the year, the second half, but is performing really well in terms of share of voice. Uh, it's interesting because the people I know who don't generally take any interest in foreign affairs whatsoever, this just seemed to strike a chord with lots of people, mm-hmm. the sheer inhumanity, the savagery of the initial attack, but then the disproportionate response and the mass bombing. You know, you're going to kill a thousand people because 10 of them might be terrorists. Yep. Uh, that really upset people a lot. That is true. That is true. It's interesting. It's the only, you know, without giving too much away for the rest of the list, but it's the only one on the list that is an international story. Yep. Yep. That's correct. Um, it's quite interesting because when we looked at, well, I don't want to give away too much uh, until I finish all the top 10 But news. no, no, you, the Ukrainian war doesn't make the list. It doesn't uh, make the list. Sam Bankman-Fried, the collapse of, you know, the, these these other big stories. He would be just be a subsidiary of the JPEX thing. Yep. Maybe. So if you do deal the JPEX one and then down in paragraph 39, there's a reference. So, by the way, remember the guy in the shorts? He, he's yeah, in jail yeah. now. <clears throat> no, no economic stories, no inflation, no performance of the stock market, which has been, you know, defied all expectations. Well, Hong Kong's been an absolute disaster, but I mean, other, other jurisdictions have been outperforming and none of those made the list. They didn't make the list. So the list in Hong Kong focuses um, mainly on the, I'll say, um, entertainment, culture, mm. or some of the economic development. So, for example, Night Vibes, Hello Hong Kong, this campaign's run by the government. Right, right. And, of course, everybody's reaction to that. All right, so we're going we to slow down. we got number three. <clears throat> we're going to our podium. We're going to the podium winners here. Bronze medal goes to... 
national anthem blunder. Our second sports story. Tell us about that. Yep. Um, I'm sure we're, we're quite familiar with with what happened there. So there were a series of sport events where the organizer played a wrong national anthem. Uh, they played a one that they were not allowed to play. And that generated a lot of a lot of noise. Uh, mm-hmm. across it was, it was a protest song. It was a protest song. And people overseas, uh, I guess, were Googling, and that became controversial because when you Google Hong Kong anthem, you got the protest song. You didn't get the national anthem of China. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there were questions about whether it was a coordinated campaign by someone to deliberately get the wrong material into the hands of these people. Yep. But or, then you, or, to, or to boost it in the Google rankings. Yes. Like if people were deliberately trying to promote so, it. Yeah, it was one of the main drivers. Uh, people care a lot about the government's negotiation with Google. It wasn't really a negotiation, but the government actually raised some, some, some voice about uh, Google, you know, uh, the way the algorithm works. So a lot of people were discussing that because of this issue. Is this, is this maybe an example of the Barbara Streisand effect? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Mike, you familiar with the Barbara Streisand effect? I'm familiar with Barbara Streisand. Tell me the effect. Uh, we got time. Um, <clears throat> many years ago, uh, when the internet was born, somebody undertook a project to take a photograph of every part of the Hong Kong, uh, the California coastline, right, of the entire state of California. Fine, they went, took pictures all the way down, put well, them up on the house. net. Her house was included because she had a house on the coast, and. You know, nobody really knew or thought anything of it until her lawyers popped up with letters to the people who were doing the project to say, you have to take down this photograph. When they did that, there had been a total of 10 views of that particular photo. Probably nine of them were the lawyers. Nobody had ever cared about it. Nobody had even thought about it. Nobody even knew that it was her house until the lawyers made it an issue and then it blew up as a story. Right. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's this idea that sometimes it's better to just let it go and yes, disappear go. out of the One of the things that came out of it that, really surprised me and impressed me was the sight of a predominantly Guaylo rugby team that learned the national anthem mm. and sang it with great enthusiasm and vigor before their international matches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just a byproduct of the thing, but uh, that, that really shook me. Wow. Okay. Well done. Yeah. And now we will find out if we can say the G word on air. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's diving right in. Okay. We've got two big stories. That was our bronze medalist. Now let's go to our silver medal winner of top news stories of the year in Hong Kong. Hit us, Charles. Yep, it's something that happened quite recently. Uh, it's a 2023 district council ordinary election. Um, yep. What of the well, would have thought most of the mansions just came up recently, but the fact is uh, the mansions have been pretty consistent throughout the years. Mm. Really? So uh, people probably started talking about it um, in January, February. Of course, it goes up, but um, it wasn't like a like a critical spike. It was pretty consistent, which actually surprised me. It is surprising because I guess one of the things is that the general public had a relatively small role in terms of the number of people they could elect. Yep. Uh, Were they talking about that aspect or were they just talking, murmuring? mainly that aspect. Mainly that aspect. (laughs) I have to admit, it was pretty vigorous in my neighborhood. I live, you know, like I I said earlier, I live kind of along the escalator. I mean, the the campaigning was actually pretty ferocious. You know, you're you're, you're pushing the signs out of your way and the campaign, excuse me, excuse me, I got to get through here. Uh, Yeah, you and I live in pretty much the same area. And uh, yeah, on every bit of fence, roadside railings, there were posters and everything. Loudspeakers on the escalator you couldn't miss. The aspect that hit me the most was the fact that Nobody knew any of the candidates, but they had pictures of the people who were supporting those candidates. Yep, yep, yeah. I saw those as well. And it yeah. was sort of, 
you know, Joe Bloggs supports me. You don't know who I am, but Joe, you all know Joe, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, that brings us, and that brings us to number one story of the year that Hong Kongers had on their mind with a share of voice at 24.1%. Charles, what was it? I think I gave it away earlier. It's the Diamond Hill murders. It's a tragic event uh, that happens in, uh, in Hollywood Plaza a few months ago. So um, the sentiments of relative, the relevant mentions were very negative. A lot of people felt bad um, for the victims. And interestingly, quite a lot of people um, expressed negatively about one particular media outlet that gave out fake news. Some of you might have remember, um, I'm not going to say which one, but one of the newspaper actually reported this news saying that um, the victims were cute because the, uh, the husband found him cheating, which was obviously not the case. So a lot mm. of people were talking about that. So they were they were trying to juice their uh, juice their readership with a fake. They basically made up a story to you know yep. a, tittle, and a titillating it. story to get people more excited but about. There it. There was also some coverage of the waiter who used a stool to try and yep yep, yep. to to stop things. What was he a waiter or a staff? Uh, I think I he's a chef or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone in the food side. Yeah, and that was sort of applauded. I think the the murder that I remember was the one where they. Abby Choi, but, but was that the year before? Did that count as 2022? It's actually this year. Um, it How did was it actually the, the 11th. It was actually the 11th. Yeah, because yeah. when you know, I thought that was going to be on that the top was, 10. That was, I mean, Diamond Hill was shocking. I was shocked by that. But the, the the way the family members joined together to kill one of their relatives and all the stuff about the Ooh. flat and the value <clears> of the flat, and uh, then you find out that one of them's living in a public housing anyway. Or, I was stunned by so many aspects of that story. Did, did, do you think this one went to number one because there was video and the video was shared so widely? Does your, does your methodology capture that? Yep, yep. Uh, I'm quite sure the video actually played a big part. Uh, if you remember, after the first few hours of the incident, everyone was basically sharing that video on, uh, on Facebook before it got t- taken down, uh, WhatsApp groups. So that helped with the increased number of coverage. Whereas the other murder, we're just reading about it, and as the detectives report the various aspects. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we did we did read a lot, but and, and it was so, there was celebrity. Right. It's a question of the impact, isn't it? Yeah, and total total P- share pictures voice. over words. That's yeah, it. Exactly. People like visual content over words. Mm, and so, if you want to, if you want to crack the top ten, you got to have an, a video. I guess that's the uh, part of the message we <laughs> take away from that. Don't incite that something you can't handle. Well, I mean, if it's a <laughs> if it's a good sports event, whatever, make sure you yeah. got a quality video involved as part of your uh, your media outreach. Charles Jung, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a great way to finish off the year with a look back at twenty twenty three. Uh, and thank you for being so polite, <laughs> setting yes. a good example great, great for people in the earlier part of the show. No part of the service thank you, Andrew and Mike. We love it. So Charles Jung is the general manager at the global media consultancy Karma. And uh, thank you very much for showing us off for 2023. If you want to find out uh, what's going to happen in 2024, Mike Rouse and I are going to be kicking off the year. Uh, no, sorry. I'm not. Uh, what am I saying? And I'm going to be on with Ada Wong on Tuesday the 2nd to kick off. I'm, la- I'm later that year. week. Yes, you are later that week. So, so I'm in the last week and the first week. There's no escape. There we go. So thank you, Mike, for joining us today. Thank you to our producer, Raphael Blatt, and our audio engineer today is Tong Wing Ming. That is your last back chat of 2023.